0: Remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, from Caesar's Palace on the Vegas Strip in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's another exciting edition of the Binge Buster Show. All right, everyone, welcome to the Binge Buster show. It has been quite a minute since we have uh, done a show, and right now we are, uh, I am coming to you right here uh, from my hotel room in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I am still on vacation, soaking up, well, I would say soaking up some sun, but it's more or less wind out here uh it's been a pretty crazy time i've been out here now for a little little bit over a week and uh just enjoying myself and uh i'm excited but without any further ado i'm gonna bring on my co-hosts co-conspirators and friends chris and jeff what is going on guys
0: Man, Tony, so great to be back with you, with you and Jeff. I know it's been a few weeks and hey, I know you've been on the Las Vegas trip. I've been seeing black $100 chips in your hands and maybe a $500 chip here and there and I know you're hanging out with the high rollers.
1: Man, I tell you, it has been a crazy trip uh so far uh and a very exciting trip. Uh man, you know, I have uh I've been out west a few times, you know, out to LA and stuff like that, but never to Vegas. So a few months ago, I uh, I had decided to plan a trip to Vegas, and lo and behold, um, here we are, and uh, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's been so much fun. Um, we started out, we left Charlotte uh, last Thursday morning uh, and flew into Dallas, and I got to tell you guys about this trip. Um, so, uh, you know, by flying to Dallas, I got about a two-hour layover in Dallas, so I decided to... Leave my wife and with our friends at one of the restaurants, and I just started walking through the airport in hopes of, uh, you know, maybe running into a Von Eric or, you know, somebody like that. But, um, unfortunately, the only thing I found in the airport were a bunch of people wearing masks. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I did find the Dallas Cowboys for my good friend George South. I did find the Dallas Cowboys, um, souvenir store, and I went there and, you know, took a look around and, uh, I picked up a couple of gimmicks while I was in there and, and, uh, but then the plane ride from Dallas to, um, to Vegas was something else. I had this lady sitting behind me, guys. She was mad at the world and, and, uh, mad at her boyfriend and because he wasn't giving her attention and she let the whole airplane know. And of course my wife being from Boston, she told her a couple of times to shut up. And, and, uh, uh, I, I thought for a second she wouldn't get booted off the plane, but, um, Uh, I guess the the stewardess were a little bit lenient uh, for that. So uh, anyway, but I finally made it to Vegas about 4 p.m. that day. It was like a 10-hour trip to get there from a couple layovers. But once I got there, we got checked in the hotel, and, man, uh, I hit the strip wide open. And, uh, man, you talk about good people watching. Vegas right now is good people watching because there are some – different people out there let me let me tell you that right now um, but uh, I'll get more into my trip uh, I want to talk to you guys what's been going on with you guys I know it's been it's been a minute since we've had a podcast due to uh, me being sick and uh, me having a bout with kidney stones a few weeks back so it's been about three weeks since we've had our podcast and I'm glad to be back uh, Jeff I'll start with you man what's been going on with you in the uh, the, the, the western North Carolina area?
2: Not very much of anything. Just a lot of rain. A lot of rain. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. I was thinking about singing "Viva Las Vegas" to you, but I figured no, you don't want to run off the listeners. But uh, not much of anything, man. Just uh, uh, chilling on, chilling and uh, uh, working and uh, taking care of kids. That's about it, man. Watching yep. it rain.
1: Yep, that's about what's been going on. Chris, what about you, man?
0: I know Tony, it's been a few weeks. I mean, gosh, a a lot has happened. I mean, what can we say? What? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, and um, Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500 and had Valentine's day roll by. It just seems like the days are just rolling, rolling by here and God. And another week, February's in the books. It's just like, wow. I I really think, I really think 2021 is going to just kind of fly by. I mean, it's, Might just be me, I don't know, but I feel like we're just off and running.
1: No, I I feel the same way. It seems like uh, just you know, just yesterday uh, it was New Year's Day, and here we are. Like you said, we got one more week left in February, uh, and then we got March coming up. March Madness, uh, and of course. Mm yours truly's birthday is in that is in the month of March. So any listeners out there want to want to send me a birthday gift, uh, just uh, message the Facebook page and I'll give you my, I'll give you my PayPal. Address. No, I'm just, I'm joking. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, March is uh is my birthday month. I'm excited about it. And, uh, and of course you guys know, I like to travel. So I've got another, another, I haven't got, I haven't got home yet from Vegas and my wife is already planning another trip. So we are uh, going uh, south uh, in April, we're going to take the kids to uh, see the Mickey Mouse. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm not letting this pandemic slow me down, man. I'm, I'm still going to enjoy life and live it to the fullest. And speaking of living it to the fullest, so I got to tell you guys what I've done a couple of days ago. So I decided to rent a uh, Slingshot. And and some of you listeners at home that maybe not know what a Slingshot is, it's like a crossover between a car and a motorcycle. Uh, It's made by uh, by the company Polaris. And those things are extremely fun. Uh, They're five-speed manual. And Jeff and Chris, let me tell you, those things are fast. And and the way they're made, guys, is like on the front, you got uh, two wheels on the front. And on the back, you got one wheel. And, of course, the, the vehicles are rear-wheel drive. And when I picked the thing up, the guy told me, he said, now be careful because that back wheel will get loose on you. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Now I drive a Camaro, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I park them tires about every day. So let me try and see what this thing can do. Guys, I was coming into the um the parking deck of the uh of the hotel where we're staying and I hit first and popped it in the second and I thought I was gonna hit the wall. <laughs> I said, Oh, I probably should have got that got got that extended insurance plan. But um but anyway, we, we rented this uh slingshot and we drove it out. It was me and my wife and uh two other couples and we all three had slingshots. We like the slingshot motorcycle gang. But but we drive we drove those things out to the Grand Canyon, which is about a two and a half hour ride from Las Vegas through the desert. Uh, legitimately, I, I, for years I've always pictured what the desert looks like, and all and all I could picture was it's going to be just like Chevy Chase on National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, but I and and but it wasn't quite like that, and, and it was actually the opposite. I mean, it was a lot of a lot of civilization, but then we we turned down this one road that took us to the Grand Canyon and guys let me tell you I, th- I thought it was it for me we were driving through it was like it was like a uh, mobile home uh park and jeff this is not like the mobile home park we see there in burke county this one was even scarier because it was like a bunch of native americans and i was waiting for them to get scalped and i don't have a lot of hair left so uh, <laughs> but but man we we drove through there and then chris i immediately thought about you because after <laughs> after after making it through this um this native American uh, trailer park. Uh, we ended up into this, like um, it was a, um, a, a tree farm and it wasn't just any tree uh, Chris, it was mm-hmm. the Joshua tree of all things. You know, some of our other <laughs> podcasts in the back. Oh God, where, like. It was a whole bunch of Joshua trees, and I'm driving. I'm like, "That's some funky looking mm-hmm. trees." And my wife goes, "Those are Joshua trees," and I immediately thought of Chris because that was like one of we we done a podcast a few months ago about yeah. favorite animal, uh, favorite albums, and uh, Chris had mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, the Joshua Tree by YouTube. Uh, so I thought. Right. That, so I immediately thought of you. And uh, if I hadn't have been driving, I would have taken a picture of the tree and sent it to you. But uh, unfortunately, I was driving and trying to keep up with my friend that was driving 100 miles an hour. So, um, but that was oh, fun. Geez. And then of course we made it. We finally made it out to the Grand Canyon. Now the ride to the Grand Canyon was nice. It was about 75 degrees. Um, but coming back home, like they say it drops about 25 degrees out there in the desert. And let me tell y'all what we're driving this vehicle that has no air, no heat, no windows, no doors, no roof. And I am bundled up. I got my mask on. I got a toboggan. I got a hoodie. I got a big winter coat and it was like nine o'clock at night. And I was still wearing my sunglasses just to keep the wind off my eyes. And, uh, but it was still fun. I mean, two and a half hours though, in the freezing cold. Uh, once we got back to Vegas, I hit the, um, I hit the uh, showers, warmed up, and then I went down to the casino and won about $450 all, uh, by just uh, putting down. I I, I was playing, uh, it was kind of like beginner's luck. I uh, hanging out with my buddies, and they, they were playing Texas Hold'em, and I know nothing about cards. Oh, boy. Nothing about <laughs> cards, right? And uh, so I'm like, uh, how do I play this game? So my friend goes, just put 40 bucks down, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest. So I put in 40 bucks and every time I'd win a hand, which was pretty often, I would just take the chips and put them in my pocket. And then finally the, the, mm-hmm. the, the dealer goes, Hey, can you put them chips back up on the table so we can cash them out? Cause I'm out of chips. <laughs> and then when I count up, I had 450 bucks. So I was excited about that. And then they uh, switched dealers. And when they did, I said, well, look at the time it's time to go back up to the room. So uh, I was a smart gambler. I uh, stopped after that and, took my 450 bucks and then the next day my wife spent it at one of the stores so so easy come easy go either way you go you know um and then the last thing i'll tell you guys about is um on the vegas strip uh the 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 same day or the next day when i returned the uh, slingshots there's another they have another little vehicle out there that you can rent called a vanderhall and it's also made similar to the um slingshot it has two wheels in the front and one in the back and um but you, but the seats are extremely close together. It's like it's like you're riding a freaking go kart, man. It was down on the ground, but it got a lot of looks. I had people taking my picture and say, you know, screaming, "Hey, that, I, li- I like your vehicle, man!" And so that was kind of cool. And then uh, I drove that over to the uh, world famous uh, pawn shop, uh, as seen on the TV show Pawn Stars, and uh, went in there. And lo and behold, can y'all believe it? They they were asking me for my autograph. I don't know what the, I, I thought. I thought they were the stars, but I guess I was. Uh, no, nah, I'm just joking there, but uh, I am teasing. But uh, but they did have some some kind of cool stuff in there. But um, you know, I, you know, they weren't filming, so none of the stars were there. But it was kind of cool to um, to walk in there and uh, see the place. It looks it looks exactly like it does on television. Uh, nothing different. And uh, but uh, they had a lot of stuff in there. A lot. And when I say this, Jeff and Chris will know what I'm talking about. But it was a lot. It was a lot like pro wrestling gimmicks in there you go in there and you see the stuff and you're like oh that's a gimmick (laughs) and that that place was full of them but uh but it was neat it was neat to do and uh um i will be flying home back to charlotte tomorrow this is my last night here so after the podcast i'm gonna go down and hit up caesar's palace and get me a nice meal and uh get ready for my midnight red eye flight back to charlotte but uh uh i know i kind of sounded long-winded um but as we get back uh, to our podcast and talking about, um, you know, last, uh, in January, uh, we were doing our series on world-class championship wrestling, and uh, of course, I got sick and we wasn't able to to finish up that, um, that, uh, that series, so I want to kind of touch on that tonight, uh, about the one thing that made world-class championship wrestling work and, uh, and, and be successful, and it's got to be. Uh, Jeff and Chris, I think you guys both will agree on this, but it was the Von Eric Freebird Feud.
0: Yeah, I'll let Jeff go first on this one. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah, I I totally agree on that. Um, I mean, man, the Von Erics were like, I mean, they were like the Beatles in Texas during the 80s, man. I mean, (laughs) they were unreal and so over. And then of course, the Freebirds, I mean, what do you say? I mean, um, Michael Hayes, who could talk, uh, Terry Gordy, who could, uh, who could uh, you know, go toe-to-toe with anybody, one of the toughest guys in the wrestling business, and then you got Buddy Jack Roberts, who, who was a great performer. So, I mean, you got, the, you know, with the Von Ericks, who, you know, like I said, were over like the Beatles were in the 60s or 50s or whatever. But, yeah, they were, uh, it was a great, uh, great feud.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think uh, looking back uh, over, you know, the 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 actual feud between the Von Erics and the Freebirds, um, it all started uh, in 1982 when Rick Flair was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and he came into Dallas to uh, defend the title against Kerry Von Erich, and Terry Gordy was the keeper of the of the cage, and Michael Hayes was the special guest enforcer referee. Um, and there, during this match, Michael Hayes uh, was trying to help uh, Kerry Von Erich win the world title, and Kerry wouldn't have none of it, and he refused uh, to cover Rick Flair after after uh, Michael Hayes had hit him, um, and then that provoked uh, uh, Garvin. I'm sorry, Michael Hayes and uh, and Kerry Von Erich to kind of get into a little alter, not an altercation, but you know they were having an exchange of words, and while Michael Hayes' back was turned. Um, Ric Flair came from behind and gave uh Terry or Kerry Von Erich the knee to the back, which knocked Kerry into Michael, knocking Michael out of the cage. And Michael thought that that uh you know that that Kerry Von Erich done that on purpose. And then Terry Gordy slams the cage on the Kerry Von Erich's head, uh, and that's pretty much where the Von Erich Freebird feud started. And man, it, it it went hot. Um, you know they they done so much, but I think the the one match that they done that really stands out to me was the um, Bad Street Six Man Match there in um, at the Cotton Bowl there in uh, Dallas, Texas, um, when it was uh, Terry, go- or, you know, the Freebirds were the world class Six Man Tag Team Champions, and they defended against Mike Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, and Fritz Von Erich. And man, in that match, guys, if you go back and watch it, when Fritz Von Erich, who was about seventy years old at the time, probably. Um, put the claw on Michael Hayes and that place went nuts. That right there really told you it wasn't just one Von Eric that was over. The whole stinking family was over.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean the the I mean the storyline itself, I mean, it caught in my opinion, it caught everyone off guard. I mean, because you know, you had Kerry Von Erich getting in the cage with Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, and then I don't think anyone walking in the building that night would have thought there's going to be a gigantic <laughs> explosion between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds by the end of that night. And right, it it, it just it it worked. It worked at that time for television to where world-class championship wrestling was and for even Ric Flair to do, to get in the ring and, 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 and for all that to take place and, and the, the the world title on the line. And I mean, it was going to put world-class in a different class and, and really in reading this and even growing up watching this, it was kind of like the Southern feud between Georgia and Texas and, the Southern Bell, and it was just like the Freebirds were like just an enemy territory in the state of Texas, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and at, and at any one time.
1: Yeah, and it, Chris, it's funny you say that. I've got a clip I'm a to play uh, of a little small promo with Kevin Von Eric as he's explaining uh, the, um, the 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 Freebird Von Eric feud, and, and uh, let's let's go to it
3: right now. Hey, free birds, you listen to me, and you listen good. You've got everybody in the world believing that this is a war between Texas and Georgia. And I had relatives that died under the southern flag. And I'll tell you right now, this war is not between Texas and Georgia. It's between decency and filth.
1: I mean, right, wow. r- right there, man. Just, I mean that 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 promo right there was from 1985, and it still gives me goosebumps.
2: Yeah, Kevin Von Eric was a uh, was a great on the mic. He was a great performer. Uh, and, you know, we had talked about it before how you know David was probably the best uh, of all of them. And then of course he passed away, and uh, uh, then the, definitely the second one would have to be Kevin, uh, as far as in ring work, and uh, man he could talk too. He could definitely, and he definitely uh, lit the fire. You could hear the fans while he was doing the promo, uh, cheering uh, him on. So yeah, uh, great, great, great wrestler, great feud all all together.
1: I believe if Kevin Von Erich had the physique of Kerry Von Erich. Um, he would have been a tremendous star, uh, you know, for anybody for Crockett, W, Vince McMahon, for them all. Uh, because like you said, Kevin, he had it all. Uh, he could work, he could talk, he just wasn't as big as Kerry uh, and didn't have that, that million dollar body. Uh, not saying he didn't have a great physique, he did, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, during the '80s, uh, you know they they were looking for the really big, muscled up guys, and he he, he wasn't a, he, he you know he wasn't that, but he was a heck of a worker. Now uh, on the flip side, we have I have a promo now with the with the, Von, uh, the with the Freebirds uh, talking about the Von Ericks.
3: And here they go, all these Texans are starting to blame stuff on me, man. I can't help it. There's some Texan <laughs> Come along and didn't like Kevin Butterick's looks and beat the tar out of it, man. Don't come blaming stuff like that on me. You make me feel like a big bully. Well, well, all right, that's just what I heard. Now, Michael, let's look at what happened earlier this week in that match of the six-man Why world we tag team. Something better like what's on uh, the screen now. Well, I, we can all admire that, but let's go back to this six-man world tag team. That we won. Well, yes, but yeah, like, by a default, no. by a default. No. All, right, all right, But look at what happened to Buddy Rock. Hey, well, you know, look, he's holding his trunks. Look, he's holding his trunks, right? Manning, of course, is doing nothing about it. He's cheating right there. It's live. It's on TV in front of another turn away sellout crowd, which we've done from one side of the world. Today. And look at this, four on three. Here comes an idiot. Hey, he probably slipped looking in the mirror or something. And he's going nuts. Look, he doesn't doesn't even like his brothers. Nobody likes him. Hey, what are you going to do? You going to blame us for everything? You going to blame us when you don't get the check that you wanted from your employer? You going to blame us when your wife has a headache at night? You going to blame us when she wakes up in the morning and she looks bad because your kid's nose is running? You want to blame us for anything? It's because you, and when I say you, I mean the Bon Eric's can't handle us. Brother Buddy had to take the load by himself, but the bad street bunch is back. Stone cold sober, as a matter of fact. All right, now Buddy, why didn't you wrestle David Von Eric in this event? Hey, what are you cop? Hey, what do you I mean, mean why? Why did send Terry Gordy in? Why did I send Terry? Hey, Terry Gordy was psyched up for the night. Damn, bam. All right, let's damn let's bam. look let's look at that one. From last week then when you were supposed to wrestle kevin david was coming up and you took off all these boots what's this all about well this is called hey how you doing (laughs) that's not that's not extremely kosher is it that's pretty bad hey bad street brother that's how we was raised and that's how we're going to go down if ever that situation to arise you see this is a money matter you defend that sort of action for crying out loud? hey i'm proud of it man i'll be proud the day that i die that somebody says i was one of the fabulous freebirds, because i'm one of the people i'm one of three guys that are not only a world champion man I'm somebody that fights with my dollar. What about Mike coming up here and cleaning out everybody? He didn't clean out everybody. David Mann is three. Well, what you can't hear here, David Mann has said he'd suspend us if we didn't leave the ring. Oh, is that that's is. Right that, left. is that right? Yeah, that's what, not because some punk kid running around with a boot. He doesn't even know what to do with it. And it looks like he did a pretty good job right there on right. Buddy Roberts. like this, man, coming up on the back. Well, you'll get your chance in just a few minutes, brother. We'll see what he does to Buddy head up. All right. Thank you, Michael. Oh, thank you, Michael. Thank I you, Michael. Appreciate your coming down and hey, your You know, this is a real nice suit. I've been meaning to tell you. Wear it another ten years of my coming style. All right. I like yours too.
1: Now, that right there is a classic promo. Michael Hayes was talking junk, and then whenever uh Bill Mercer had something to come back at him you know wh- why are you leaving well what you couldn't hear was the fact David Manning said if we didn't leave he's going to suspend us I mean that right there is is what is missing in pro wrestling today when not you guys agree
0: I mean
2: it's all it's all scripted now I mean they script everything and I mean it's it's ruined the wrestling business I saw a podcast with uh, Steve Austin and he said the exact same thing you know, they, they've taken the wrestlers have no personality anymore. They're not allowed to have personality. They're not how, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's that's why wrestling's ruined. They can't be, they can't be themselves
0: anymore. And you know, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to agree with Jeff. Everything's got to be scripted. It's got to be said this way at this time at this juncture, however you want to put it. I mean, when, when when you when you heard Kerry Von Erich speaking, he was speaking from the heart. He was speaking with emotion. If you saw that first line he put out, the crowd went crazy. It didn't even matter what he was saying.
1: No, no.
0: And 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 and, and the freebirds, they were just adding gasoline to the fire. That's all that was. That whole interview was gasoline to the fire, just to get the fans riled up and to continue the storyline outside of the ring and, and you just don't see that today. No, you yeah, don't and
2: Tony, mm-hmm. Tony real quick I wanna go with you know and you know I hate to put point fingers, but Vince McMahon started the scripting crap. You know I mean and, and I, I was listening to Art Anderson's podcast and he said when he and Tully Blanchard first went to the to the WWF none of their promos, none they came up with. Everything was scripted. We're talking about 1988 when right. they went to WWF. It was scripted then. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and and now it's like uh I remember a couple of times I had worked for a promoter uh in the um early 2000s and he he done that to me. I got there and he gave me this this script and he's like, "You know, this is what you're going to say." I'm like, no I'm not because this isn't anything I would say this isn't my gimmick this isn't how I talk and he's like well you know I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, do things like the WWF and I said why because nobody wants to watch the WWF right now you know people people want what they want to see old classic wrestling and you hand somebody a script and you got and you give me 10 minutes to memorize all this stuff no uh, you tell me what, you know, I said, you, you know, you give me an idea of what you want to be said and I'll put it in my own words, but I'm not going to come out there and say all this stupid stuff. Cause that ain't me. That, that ain't how I talk. And I would, I'd forget half of it and I'd stutter most of it. So I'm, um, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, okay. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then he, and then he come to me and says, well, um, tonight on your, on your tag match, I want you guys to go five minutes. And I guess he was trying to spank me. Because I wouldn't do his script, so I said, "Okay, we'll go five minutes." Well, it took me five minutes just to get my ring jacket off, and then, and then I went another fifteen, and uh, and then the the best part about uh, about it, our match went like total like twenty five minutes counting our entrance. And when I got back to the dressing room, as I was walking through that locker room from the ring, his wrestlers were lined up at the door telling telling us thank you saying that's the best freaking match that they've seen in that area since since they've been coming there and and they want to know where do we come from you know and i'm like well you know old school is where i come from and uh you know and 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 i'll never forget i'm doing this match and i look at the referee which is a good friend of mine and jeff's um Rodney Hildebrand and I said, Rodney, how much time we got? And, he, and his words were, "Who cares? This is the best shit I've ever seen." So we just kept going <laughs> and we kept doing our uh, 1980 spots, uh, same spots that Jeff and I ran for years. And man, the crowd was eating it up, you know. And they were trying to do this crap, this ECW extreme crap, and uh, all this scripted stuff, and nobody cared about it. But but they but they definitely cared about us. Uh, and then me and my guys were getting over so much. He wanted to split us up and put us with different people. And I said, Nah, we're not going to do that. So, we, so we actually quit going, but, but you guys are right. That's, that's the problem with today's product is the fact that too much stuff is scripted. Nothing's from the heart anymore. And that's why, um, I, I, I can't remember what, what podcast it was, but I remember re- watching the podcast a couple of days ago or listening to a podcast a couple of days ago on my way up to Vegas. And, um, in there, they, they said every wrestler looks alike, acts alike, dresses alike. And when they get in the ring, it doesn't matter which promotion it is. They all are doing the exact same thing. Uh, you know, they walk out, they get in the ring, they they all, you know, do their turnbuckle pose or their middle of the ring pose. You know, in the 80s, guys didn't do that. They got in the ring and they started working. and that's right. and, and I think that they need to go back to that to get people's attention.
0: Amen to that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's all about charisma in the ring and, and, and work ethic in the ring and not just the work ethic, but it's the mic skills. It's, it's, it's the body language. It's, it's, it's everything. How you walk to the ring, you, 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 you start the match. It's, it's how you delay the match. It's everything that plays into that storyline. and, these guys were so great just by the amount of house shows that they did because they had to sell it to the crowd because there were no cameras around. Now today, there's a camera everywhere. Back in the day, you had to work twice as hard to get that reaction, and that's what made them so good of workers, whether they were the favorites, they were the heels, whatever it was, that's what made them, and they had to work that much harder.
1: Yeah, and one of the other things I, that I used to like, guys, um, in the 80s when I'd go to a show, especially a TV taping, um, like I remember in 1987 when uh, Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard were having their uh, world television title match and $50,000 um, in the Greensboro Coliseum, and Dusty and Tully are going all at it, and then J.J. steals the money and runs out with it. Well, here in the Coliseum, the only thing we saw is J.J. run away. That's all we seen. And then it wasn't for two more weeks when it came on television that we saw that Dusty, you know, chased J.J. out in the parking lot and J.J. was t- taken off in the car. And then Dusty comes back in the building and um, he comes back in the building and he, you know, he screams, uh, you know, Crockett, I want my money. You know, and uh and of course the realism there, Dusty was cussing on the microphone because he was mad because he just had fifty thousand dollars stolen from him. And that's what you, Jeff, Chris would do. I would do if somebody stole fifty thousand dollars from me and I knew it was it was somebody I knew, man, I'm going to get on the microphone and I'm going to be cussing, too. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to get a gun and go after him. But uh. But that was the realism of it, and now on today's product, there there is no realism. It's, uh, you know, of course, I don't I don't even watch it anymore, so I couldn't even really tell you what what's going on, or what what angles are going are running. But um, but based off of what I see posted on Facebook and social media and stuff, and hearing other guys talk, um, it's not much to watch. Uh, you know, on you know, on today's stuff, you know. Well,
2: here it is. I mean the reason that the Von Eric and Freebird feud worked is because the people believed it. Yeah. They believed there was legitimate heat with those guys. They believed that, uh, you know, and that's what, that's what wrestling in the eighties was. It was believable. You know, uh, we've, I know we've talked about it several times, but wrestling back in those days, man, I mean, you know, it was, we, I thought it was real. I mean, I really did. Oh and, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I mean, I really thought it was real and you know, even if I was I mean, even the kids nowadays, they watch this now and they all know it's fake. Yeah. They know it's not believable. Right. You know, and when I was their age, I thought it, I thought wrestling, you know, was real. And it's not anymore. And even when I, you know, let, you know my boys watch some of the old stuff, they look at me and said, "My God, they're trying to kill each other." Yeah. I said, yeah, because back then wrestling was believable. It's not believable anymore.
1: Yeah. Now, now and, it's now it's like a television show. It's like a, um, you know, you, you, you like watch a Marvel a Marvel movie, and that's kind of like what wrestling is now. And and I have and, been and I've been seeing this thing where, you know, where uh, the the uh, the WWE has sold the rights to their WWE network to NBC uh so now now that they're doing that what's next are, are they gonna sell the company to them i mean you i mean the the rest yeah. of the industry is in such dire straits right now it's crazy
2: yeah and think about it guys i mean how many stories have we heard of back in the 70s and 80s where fans attacked the hills oh yeah. how many stories have we heard i mean i i saw uh, you know at roddy Popper, and he said he can't he said it's been over 20, 30 times that a fan has attacked him, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, you know, that stuff don't happen anymore. It's because it's not unbelievable.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, and if I, if I'm going to say this, kudos really, when you think about the feud, the kudos has got to go to the Freebirds. I mean, because the Von Erichs really didn't have to do anything. No. It's all on Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, Bam Bam Gordy, and 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 Buddy Roberts. And that's what sold the tickets. The Von yeah. Erics just showed up and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a tassel tonight in Texas in some god known city on some god known night. And it's gonna be on. And that's really what it was in when you peel back all the layers of the onion.
1: Yeah, and, and also, if you go back to world class and you look at who all in that territory worked with the Von Erichs and who drew the most money, I'll give you two names, okay? Number one was the, was the Freebirds. The Freebirds definitely drew more money with the Von Erichs than probably anybody ever drew with the Von Erichs. And I would say second place would go to uh, Gina Hernandez and Chris Adams. After that, yes. anybody else that feuded with the Von Ericks, it was kind of watered down. Would yes. you guys agree?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, totally. Totally. I mean uh I mean, how
0: are you going to top it? It's just, it's just like,
1: yeah. I mean, for one, the
0: next best idea, right? For, you know, I, I, I don't
1: know. For for one, like the Von Ericks and Freebirds, that 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 feud, you know, it, it it went a couple of years and and it stayed red hot the whole time. Um, then the Von, the Freebirds left. They they go to AWA, and uh, so now so now Fritz has got to find somebody else that that can feud with the Von Ericks. Um and then he put together Gina Hernandez, Chris Adams, and Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, with with Nicola, and um, that one that one drew a lot of money. Not like the Freebirds by any means, but it was but it but it it was close. And I'll never forget uh, the match they had there at Reunion Arena. Um, I'm sorry, not Reunion Arena at, at the uh, Cowboy Stadium. Whenever they, uh, whenever they have um, who was um, the Von Erichs and uh, the Von Ericks against Chris Gino Hernandez, and whoever won the match got these two brand new Lincoln Continentals. And of course, the, the Freebirds win, and then Gino and Chris go down there with chains and bust the windshields out of them. And back then it was like, "Oh my god." You know, it that was believable. You yeah. know, and uh and and like I said, that goes back to what's missing uh in the wrestling industry now is is the, is the um the the uh the angles to make it believable. Like that could really happen. You know, you get in the ring and you do 10,000 flips in, in an everyday fight. That ain't going to happen. Because you flip one time, I'm gonna mm-hmm. knock you on your head, you know. But, um, right. but it's it's so much different now. Um, but definitely uh, finishing up that uh, that series, uh, Von Erichs and Freebirds were definitely what made world class championship wrestling uh, thrive and survive uh, several years, I believe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, no squabble there. I mean, I mean, it it was a great time for professional wrestling. It really was. It it was, you know, if there's one, you know, it did get on the national scale to an extent, but God almighty, if it ever happened that war in the NWA or even the WWF, not so much the WWF, but in the NWA, good Lord, what could have happened there? I mean, it was a great time, and I enjoyed watching it and, and watch it play out from afar up in the Northeast because it was something different that I didn't see each and every week in, in professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was good stuff. Uh, world Class was definitely, uh, it, you know, if if I was rating back in the '80s, my top, you know, the uh, top four uh, organizations, and I'm talking about the NWA, the WWF, World Class, and AWA. Um, my my favorites would be in this order. It would be the NWA would be number one for me, world class would be number two, WWF would be number three, and then AWA would be number four. Um, but uh, you know, it and and, and it and that's kind of and when you look at that, the way I rated it, I rated it based off of the angles and the the storylines that for me that made me go, Oh my god, this is real. Um, you know, uh in the eighties, man, everything was believable. Most everything, uh, until about 87, whenever, uh, the WWF decided to start having these over the top gimmicks. That's, that's when I started going, Hmm, is wrestling really okay. NWA is real, but that WWF stuff, that's, that's, that's crazy. That, that's fake because those guys are dressed like cartoon characters. Um, and right. that's, that's kind of how I looked at it. I'm sure that's, that's probably how, how, how you guys looked at it as well, right? Yep, Definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, one one, uh, one last thing I want to touch on on this podcast is since I am out here in Vegas, um, I have been out driving around trying to find some of the spots I was looking for. uh, Speaking of the AWA, um, I was looking for the infamous uh, Showboat Sports Pavilion in downtown Las Vegas, as Rod Trongard used to always say. Um, But what I did find out, was the place where I rented my uh, uh, slingshot? Uh, that casino, the Showboat Sports Arena, was directly across the street uh, where I rented my my slingshot. Unfortunately, uh, that um, that it was torn down uh, several years ago, and now they have built apartment complexes <laughs> on the property. But it's still called the Showboat. It's called the Showboat Sports. Um apartment complex and they have compartments and condos out there now. Um, but it was, it was still cool, you know, to say, Hey, I, I'm, a, I was here at the property where it was at. Uh, and, uh, that was one of the places where the AWA held shows. And the other place, uh, was at the Tropicana. Um, you know, and, uh, for many years, the AWA held their television tapings in their home, of in their home base of Minneapolis, uh, for their syndicated all-star wrestling program. Uh, and, um, and, and the uh, WTCN television studios. However, uh, in 1985, the AWA uh, promoter, Vern Gagne, made the decision to hold some television tapings um, at the Tropicana Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, but whenever uh, Greg Gagne decided to make a deal with ESPN, uh, later in that same year, they decided to move uh, all the tapings to permanently to uh, Las Vegas, and, and they would hold it there at the Showboat Sports Pavilion uh, in downtown Las Vegas. Um, and uh, our, there was a lot of matches that came from that uh, from that era. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we could come back. Jeff, Chris, and myself are going to talk about our favorite match from the Showboat Sports Pavilion in downtown Las Vegas. Coming up next on the Binge Buster Show.
3: AWA Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in <laughs> professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action.
1: All right, fans, welcome back to the Binge Buster Show. Uh, Talking about AWA Championship Wrestling from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Guys, uh, from like 86 to like 89, that was probably the best years for me for the AWA. I know they had a few things in 85 that was okay. But um, going back to uh, my favorite match, it would have to be, uh, it came from the Las Vegas uh, Showboat Sports Arena. Um, it was for the AWA World Tag Team titles. Uh, the Rockers taking on Doug Summers and, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. His partner, um, uh, Buddy Rose. Buddy Rose and Doug was Summers. Buddy Rose. Yes. Yeah. And that was a bloodbath. Uh, that was probably one of the bloodiest matches, if not the bloodiest match, I ever saw on the AWA taping. Uh, man, that match was just. Crazy. Um and it took place right there at the Showboat Sports Pavilion. Uh Jeff, what was what was one of your favorite AWA matches?
2: Um, I would say it would have to be was it was it Nick Bockwinkle against uh Kurt Henning? Yes. When uh yeah, well, for the AWA world title whenever uh Larry Tabisco Kurt turned heel. Uh, Larry Zabisco uh gave him a roll of coins and he knocked Bockwinkel out and won the title very yes. controversial.
1: Yes, that was yeah. that. Yeah, that was a great one. And and you didn't see that coming. I mean, cuz up until then yeah. Kurt uh Kurt Henning was just like a mid-carder. He was, you know, he had teamed with Scott Hall, they were the AWA tag team champions, but he was a big time babyface and he was kind of put in that uh limelight of okay he's he's friends with Ganya's son uh so he's you know he's he's there but he's not a main event guy but but when he won the world title and become cool Kurt Henning, man that right there was uh was what well, I think was the the start of of his tremendous career
2: yeah he was um you know he was a better heel than babyface no doubt about it
1: for sure uh Chris what about you what was one what, what What was your favorite standout, um, AWA match?
0: You you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go early on, um, Tony Jeff. I mean, I'm going to go early on. I'm going to go 1986 because what really drew me to the showboat sports civilian was a six man tag team match with really, it was, it was with, it was Sherry Martel, Larry disco and Colonel bears taking on Kurt Henning, Greg Ganya, and Jimmy the Superfly Snooka. Oh, and yeah. Really, it was Snooka's kind of somewhat defection from the WWF at that time where I had so much ex- exposure to Jimmy Snooka. You know, the cage matches at Madison Square Garden, coming to my local hometown to. To, to WrestleMania and, and and that's what really drew me. I was like, okay, Jimmy Snuka is wrestling somewhere, you know, different than the WWF, and we know he did his NWA days prior to that. But that was kind of somewhat semi big news, a little bit back then in the in the mid eighties, yeah, as well. And and obviously Snuka was let go. I had a lot of you know out of the ring problems, but that's what really drew me to it because I knew who he was. And my first real exposure to the AWA as well coming again from the Northeast cable TV, just coming really into play nationwide. I mean, in all reality.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, it was starting to become mainstream and, uh, and, you, you know, you, you started to notice guys going from one territory to another. Uh, it seemed like everybody was trying to go to uh, WWF. Um, but during that time, Vince was going with the bigger guys, you know, the guys that were larger than life. And uh, sh- and certainly Hulk Hogan, um, Big John Studd, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, those, those type of guys were the ones getting booked uh, up north, so to speak. Um, and the, the mid Carter guys like, uh, Jimmy Snuka and, uh, Rick Martel, you know, those guys were, were, were doing better business elsewhere, like the AWA or the NWA or, uh, Texas, uh, or Florida. So, um, so you, y- you, know, you had that. Um, and of course on next week's podcast, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're going to kind of stay with some AWA, uh, for a couple of years now, we've, we've been doing a lot of mid Atlantic and, uh, and uh, Crockett Promotions. So uh, for for the month of um, the rest of the month of February and uh, part of March, uh, we're going to be touching base on some of the big, uh, big events from the AWA. So next week's podcast, guys, I'll be back home in North Carolina, uh, but we will be talking uh, AWA Super Clash 2 that came that took place on May the second, nineteen eighty seven, at the Cow Palace. In San Francisco, California, um, and a, a lot of uh, a lot lot of great matches uh, on that card. Um, of course, the uh, the the uh, the big match on that on that card with, uh, was was um, Jimmy Snuka and Russ Francis taking on the Terrorist and the Mercenary, uh, and of course the Midnight Rockers, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty taking on. Um, Ray Stevens and Buddy Wolf and Doug Summers and Kevin Kelly were there uh, in a six-man, I'm sorry, uh, it's a six-man tag. There's the Rockers and Ray Stevens taking on Buddy Wolf, Doug Summers, and Kevin Kelly. And then, of course, uh, that was the, the big one uh, where uh, we just talked about it. Kurt Henning uh, defeats Nick Bockwinkle to become the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, that happened at Super Clash 2, and we'll be covering that next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Uh, guys, you guys have, have any, any parting words before we go off the air tonight?
0: I mean, I think Jeff knows where I'm coming from, and and probably you, do, you know Tony as well. Hey, listen, no matter what we talk on here week after week and, and here and there, it was a great time to be a professional wrestling fan. No matter what you were watching, what you were doing, who you were – caring for or booing or whatever it, it may be. It was a great time for professional wrestling and a great time for world class and for the AWA as well, who capitalized on table TV too. So it was a great time and, and a great time to see a different variety and, and widespread of wrestling talent really throughout the United States.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, and I, I, and I definitely can't wait to, uh, to talk super clash to, uh, and then, of course, uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we'll, we'll be talking more Super Clash. I know there were um, a lot of those that, that took place uh, in the 80s. The first one was in 85. The last one was in 1990. Um, and, uh, man, um, you know, and probably, uh, the, probably the, the, the most popular one would, would have been Super Clash 3, Uh, where Jerry Lawler and uh, Kerry Von Erich wrestled to determine the undisputed Unified World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, I can't wait to cover that show uh, as during 1988. That was right after the big sale of Crockett promotion, so a lot of Jim Crockett guys are on that card as well. So uh, we'll be getting into that the next next couple weeks. Um, Jeff, you have any parting words before we go off the air tonight?
2: i think chris summed it up i know uh when i got cable i guess it was 1986 uh when cable came out to where i was living at the time uh man i mean anytime wrestling was on tv i was watching didn't matter what kind of wrestling it was and there was so many different territories you know georgia championship wrestling was they were, I don't know, they were kind of toward the end of their their thing. Then you had, uh, uh, you know, the the Crockets and what they were doing. WWF, I could finally watch WWF on TV. Um, AWA, um, World Class was coming on. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be a uh, teenager growing up in those times where uh, there was always wrestling on the tube.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... And saying that same for me, um, you know, and back then, you, you know, you, uh, you, uh, you had to, you had to search to find the wrestling. Cause a lot of times it wasn't advertised. Um, and of course cable, like you said, cable was new. So we all, you know, everybody, or at least I know I, as a kid, I didn't know all the channels, so I'd have to turn. And, uh, but man, once I found out that, uh, AWA came on ESPN and at four o'clock in the afternoon, every day. Uh, and then I found the USA Network with the WWF, and then I found uh, WTBS with uh, NWA and Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, I was hooked, and uh, and the rest is history, so to speak. So, uh, But in either event, guys, I'm glad to be back on the air with you guys after this uh, two or three weeks off, and uh, I can't wait to get back to North Carolina. I know uh, today you uh, they were calling for a little ice there, hopefully, uh, you guys are good there, and no ice, and and uh, uh, I, I can't wait to get back home and uh, and and get 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 back to uh, our podcast, or weekly podcast. And next week we'll be talking AWA Super Clash two guys for uh, for for Jeff and Chris. I'm Tony. Thanks for joining us on the Bench Buster Show. We'll see you next week.
3: Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.